Thank you for listening to Freelance Kills. This podcast is for entertainment and education purposes only. Nothing I say should be considered financial or investment advice. Please contact a registered and licensed investment advisor or tax professional for any advice on your own personal situation. This is the Freelance Kills Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Bridges. A little over a decade ago, I started a career on Wall Street. I quickly realized that it wasn't the path for me. I'm currently a fashion and lifestyle photographer based in New York City. From ramen noodle diets to educating over 80,000 students on Skillshare, students have listened to over four and a half million minutes of my classes ranging from photography to finance. Freelance Kills is your resource for money, career, and personal wellness. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Freelance Kills. Um, thank you for your patience with last week not having a new episode. Uh, to be honest, uh, productions. I'm a photographer. Uh, obviously, most of you probably know that. But productions have picked back up. New York is slowly opening. So there's a lot of brands, a lot of clients that need to get photo work done, especially ahead of the fall season. Who knows if there's going to be a consumer for all the stuff that we're shooting, but hopefully there is so we can all keep this train moving. That being said, this kind of thing will probably happen for me from time to time. Again, I do this sort of in my spare time and squeeze it in almost anytime I can get a chance. And, you know, sometimes you got to take that, that moment to give yourself a little bit of balance, uh, whether that be for work or for the personal space to, you know, not have to be doing something all the time. So thank you for your patience, and I'm glad to be back uh, this week. So welcome back with me. Today's episode, I want to tell a little story or maybe share a little lesson uh, that I learned when I was growing up back home in Kennesaw, Georgia, from my dad. I was born in Somerset, New Jersey. I really don't know where that is, although I have been told or I've been come to you know, I've come to learn that it is in central Jersey. Anyway, don't know where that is. Was uh, born there, moved when I was one and a half with the family. My dad got an opportunity in Atlanta, Georgia to work or consult. I can't remember. I think he worked full time for Coca-Cola. And so, yeah, packed up, family moved. We got out of Jersey and I grew up, spent the rest of my life growing up in Georgia. There were several attempts at sports growing up. I know I, I was a very active kid. I tried, and I remember playing t-ball or trying to get out and play t-ball. It was a miserable experience. I was a little kid. I think I ran off. I was just, I don't know. I don't think I was ready for the socialization yet, uh, and it was a rainy day. Not much of a story here. Just didn't just didn't make it through t-ball. I uh, did swimming. Uh, I don't think I'm good at swimming at all, but at least I learned kind of how to not be completely afraid of the water. I tried. I mean, I played kickball. I played everything. But the one sport that 
fit or at least worked out for me was basketball. I spent most of my life playing basketball. I played pickup. I played AAU. I played street ball. I played, uh, I played in, I guess when high school, I played JV and then I made the varsity team. I mean, basketball was life and I preferred it over academics, obviously. Well, not obviously. I'm telling you, I preferred basketball over academics, hands down. And in many ways, basketball was sort of a distraction or saving me for myself. But the point is, I played basketball and sports, like many things that happen in your uh, teenage years and your childhood, they teach you a lot of lessons about life. Some of those lessons you learn on your own, and some of those are the lessons that can get, be conveyed from a parent, a friend, a teacher, or somebody else that finds the opportunity in watching you and observing you behave and, and participate. They can find a way to impart some knowledge on you that makes your life a little bit better. I don't remember when this was, but I want to talk about uh, a quick thing that my dad taught me two quick things that my dad taught me that I think even though at the time I didn't accept had a very big part in the trajectory, the trajectory of my life. And now more than ever, I think back to those realities over and over again. I mean, it's like a top of the mind, top of the, the toolkit. When I think about my hard days, when I think about days I'm struggling, I mean, when I think about being the best that I possibly could be. At some point during my basketball quote unquote career, there were some games. I mean, you, anybody who competes, there are games where you have to fight it tooth and nail to the end of the game. Sometimes you even got to go into overtime, but there are also games in which you spank the living daylights out of the other team. I don't even know if spanking is a politically correct term to use, but where the other team is absolutely no trouble at all. I mean, you're literally almost having a scrimmage with yourself. Nothing they do can stop you from scoring. Their defense ain't nothing. You're just having a field day. And on days like those, you would think that would be the time to relax and enjoy an easy win, an easy victory. But all too often, whether my dad was coaching or he was just in the stands, he would notice that when a team was weaker or, or less qualified to match up against us, he would notice the spirit, the vibe of the team I was playing for would settle in to the expectation of the other team. Meaning, and I might not be phrasing this correctly, uh, but the way he would phrase it is we would play down to their level. And instead of seeing blood and then going after it and then having a blowout, winning by 30 points or something like that, instead, we got loosey-goosey. You know, we try to make passes that were bad decisions, try something flashy, try to shoot shots that were we had no business shooting. We're not in the NBA. We would just go out of our way to almost like punish the other team, let them know how weak they were. But in our in our heads, I don't think we were doing that. I think it was one of those things where you just, you feel like you have room to actually not be so fundamental. You can actually be like, you know, cool. <laughs> you can actually like win the game and be, and you can sort of 
act like the superstars that you watch on TV without having the same amount of talent or skill level or experience. And so what usually happens is you play down and the other team starts playing up because they're working their ass off to be just as good, if not better than you. But when you're playing at the top of your game, they can't catch up. But when you start settling into this weak routine of trying to be cooler than you are, try to be more talented and skillful than you are, forgetting the fundamentals of the game, being lax on defense, being careless on offense, you give them all this room, this space to take their hard work. And even if they suck, they can turn hard work into a victory. And what he told me every single time something like that happened, he told me, son, you can't play down to the other team's skill level. You can't out be out there and be a show off just because the other team isn't doing well. You don't know if they're having a bad day, a bad season, a bad game. You don't know if they can take this win from you. The only thing you know is that you can play hard and bust your butt on the court until the end of the game. That's all you got. I'm, I'm sort of ad-libbing some of this stuff from, because my memory isn't amazing. But the lesson here was to always play your game and don't play the game of the other team. And I thought that at the time was just like, whatever, dad, you just don't want us to show off. But I've, as I've gotten older, as I've gotten more mature, I've realized, whoa, I missed the point. I made it all about winning and losing and looking cool while doing it. And what he was saying was, you can't be distracted from the objects in the road. You can't be distracted by your ego. You shouldn't be, at least. Not can't, but you shouldn't be distracted from these things, by these things. Sorry, I'm hiccuping through that. And, And I'm thinking about that now in my adult life and how I look at my work. I look at the projects I take on, the clients I work with. Especially when the challenge and the task is super demanding and super hard and frustrating and stressful. And then I sometimes walk on the court, aka I walk in my studio, and I have an experience where the client's a breeze. And the temptation is, you know, to not care about the little things, to maybe not pay so much attention to some of the details to vibe out with the client instead of focusing on the work and it just sort of let things go for a little bit because it feels good to be able to vibe. It feels good to not be able to be so intense and, and focused on the job at hand. It feels good to strike up some camaraderie and feel like everything's a breeze because you don't get those opportunities very often, not on, not on the job. But I remind myself, I remind myself every single time I'm about to slide into that, I can't play down to the expectations or what I assume to be the expectations. I can't play down to the, to somebody else's level just because I feel like something's easy or just because a client is acting or behaving as though it's all chill. It's all good. Until I put the points on the scoreboard, the deliverables are sent and the client accepts the invoice and thanks me for the job and, you know, thanks me for such a job well done. And they look like a superstar to their boss and all those things until all those I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. You really don't know 
whether you won the game or not. So if on the day of the project, things get vibey and chill, and I decide, oh, I'm going to get vibey and chill too, I may have missed the opportunity to actually win the game. Unbeknownst to myself. And that is a real lesson. It's one that I really cherish these days. Because when something's very challenging, it's so much easier to kick my attention to detail, my my perfection slider. It's just so much easier to stay locked in. So much easier. Because that's the type of game in which the team is equally matched. You're fighting for every bucket. Every defensive time down the court is just a struggle, (laughs) you know, like you're like, I don't want to play defense anymore. This is ridiculous. I want to spend more time on offense, but that's what you practice for the defense, not the offense, the offense you practice for, obviously, but you spend a lot more time on your own working on your offense as a team. You work on your defense because that's what wins games. And that's how we should walk into our career. We need to be playing defense and we need to be playing up to our level of expectation, up to our level of skill and talent. We don't need to be adjusting our game just because somebody else walks on the floor and they have a different attitude because we can only answer for our actions when all said and done, when the project is done and dusted, because if somebody has a problem after the project with something you delivered to them, whether it be a photo or design, a code or whatever it is that you do for a living and you gave less than your best less than your absolute focus and attention and efforts, whose fault is it really? Is it the client that was sitting there the whole time making jokes and being chill about everything and not making it seem like they were uptight about the work? Or is it the person they paid to get the job done? Just some food for thought. The second lesson, super easy, just something that went unappreciated as well because I was younger. And it was the importance of practice. My dad and I, we both watched the same stuff. We watched Sports Center. We both knew who Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant were. I mean, those were, you know, the stars when I was growing up. I mean, among other things, I mean, I love basketball. So back in the day when I actually cared to watch it, everybody was super impressive. But you would see the same documentaries or the same stories about, you know, Michael Jordan sitting, shooting, you know, 100, 200, 300 free throws or whatever it was, you know, in the driveway to improve his game or whatever. Uh, you know, there's stories about all the, all of our greats. There's stories about all of them and how they got good. And the point is that was sort of the lesson that all of the people that wanted us to be better at what we did as sports would give us. Here's an example of how to become great, not just be a good player. And I was a good player, but I never made it to great. And I don't know if, I necessarily have that in me. Maybe I did. I probably did. I mean, everybody has some greatness in them. Maybe it isn't basketball, but it's something else. But maybe I could have been a great player. But what kept me from even seeing if I had that potential was that I was good enough and I was okay with being good enough because I thought my good was impressive and I didn't have the will, the motivation, the interest in seeing what was on the other side probably was afraid to of the work and the the requirement it would take to make it to the other side. But, you know, I was a kid. I couldn't see it. 
But my dad would always say, if you want to get good at sinking those threes, if you want to, you know, make sure you can hit the game winning shot. If you want to be in these situations where you're not struggling to play up a level, because I, you know, I played, I played varsity. I believe I got on the varsity team probably a year before I was expected to, but I would struggle in situations when we were matched with better teams. I would struggle uh, when we went on the road sometimes. And I wasn't consistent all the time. I had a great three-pointer. I had a great jumper, had a great free throw, wasn't the best at dribbling, was a hustler on defense, not always with the best lateral quickness, but I you know, bled on the court. So there were a lot of good things about my game, and I was a great asset to the team. But to be a standout player, to be somebody that you know gets to play in college, has a shot at the league. I mean, me at my height, probably no no shot without a lot, a lot of help. But the point is to be somebody that can be in that room, that can step up and play with people that are playing and executing at a high level. It takes practice. I am not the best photographer in the world. But I'm on my way to greatness. And the reason I'm on my way to greatness is because I sweat the small stuff. If I don't know the answer to something, I am going to be on Google. I will text. I will call. I will find out the answer because I can't let it just sit and be there on my brain not knowing. If there is a concept that I am remotely interested, I'm going to find out how the photographer who shot it did it. If there's a way to coach a model differently that's going to get better results, I will find out how to do it. If I can make a better result for a client and we have the time to get it done, I will absolutely try to make the best result for a client. But the point is, I chase down answers and I continuously work on my game, my jump shot, my three-point my free throw, a.k.a. my lighting in the studio, my shaping light in natural uh, light environments, all, all the things. I'm always consistently and constantly working on being better. I just, I just wish I would have learned that earlier in life than later in life. But it doesn't matter when you learn it, as long as you finally get it through your head. Everything that you want to be great at requires practice. There's so many people that get good at just doing the job that they do and they can show up and it works for most people. But if you're one of those people that don't just want it to work, they want to excel. They want to get some of those opportunities that they see happening to other people around them and they don't understand why is that happening to them? Our work is relatively the same. We do the same work. We have the same portfolio, whatever you, you connect it to your world, however you relate. But so many people are asking, how come I don't get those opportunities? Here's part of the problem. You play down to the other team and you don't, you don't work to get better. So the third and final lesson for today's show is going to be an adapted lesson from my father, which is stop running your mouth and let the scoreboard do the talking. Now, I, when I was growing up, man, I had a mouth on me. I cursed too young. I mean, I guess you shouldn't be cursing at all, but I cursed early and often. And I got into shit talking early and often. And of course, 
what I find especially true the older I get is the more shit talking happens, the more you're coming up from behind, the more you're struggling. When you're struggling, when you're losing, when you're not doing well, shit talking is sort of like, or let me, let me change it because I don't want to be cursing on the podcast that much. Trash talking is what you do. Um, it's almost like a, it's a defense mechanism. Because you're not, you're in that moment when the scoreboard reads 60 to, you know, 45 and you're down 15 points. In that moment, you're weak. You're lesser than. And so it is much easier to, you know, show strength with fake bravado, aka trash talking, than it is to get the 15 points back and tie the game. And that is so true. Even as a photographer, as a somebody at a job anywhere, you know, you, we've all walked out of a meeting or got off a Zoom call where somebody else on the call made us feel a certain way. And we're just like, I don't even know how you have that job. And what I've taken from this lesson as an adult is instead of doing that trash talking behind their back or even just, you know, using any sort of language to sort of like, make myself feel better and and look down on somebody else is to try to channel that into proving why you're better for the job, the opportunity. I mean, within yourself and not worry about them. It's the thing, same thing with jealousy. I, I put this sort of lesson, what I meant by adapting it is that it's not only proving to yourself and proving through to other people with your actions that you're capable, more than capable. You're the best person for the opportunity. But it's also important that you prove that to yourself. Why is it important that you not only take care of the client in terms of that belief or or whoever you work for, but also do it for yourself? Well, the reason is because, and this is very personal, so if you don't relate to this, feel free to skip ahead and end the episode. But in these careers that a lot of us that might be listening have, which is probably creative services, uh, maybe some sort of gig employment. But if you are in some sort of service, professional service, whatever, that puts a lot of who you are on the line, on the line, meaning I'm a, I'm an artist, quote unquote. So when I take a picture, I'm not only taking a picture saying, Here's just a, here, here's a representation of something uh, of us trading cash for you to get a photo and that's it. I don't believe in it. I didn't, I didn't put any of my own, I don't know, mental energy into it, whatever. It's not that simple. When I take a photo, whether it's personal or for business, I'm signing, I'm signing my name on the dotted line saying, Hey, I not only delivered what you want, I put a little bit of myself in it and I hope you like it. And when you do something like that, there's a route right directly back to your heart, to how you feel, to your emotions. And as creatives, and probably a lot of people, other people too. I mean, I, I don't want to take away from people that are doctors, lawyers, accountants, architects, engineers, whatever. When you care about what you do for a living, you're not just putting out a work product and some, you know, some brain capital. You're actually putting out 
a piece of yourself in the work that you produce. And when you put out a piece of uh, a piece of yourself with the work that you produce, it, it becomes inextricably linked to the heart. And so if you don't prove to yourself that you're doing absolutely the best you can do to be the best person for the opportunity that you're stepping up to, then not only will that show to the client or whoever you work for, your boss, your colleagues, but it will also show its head in the terms of jealousy and behavior, maybe trash talking, that you do when you look and compare yourself to other people in your field. And that's just negative energy that honestly, I know I personally don't want, but I know a lot of people don't need that kind of stuff swirling around them. So think about that. If you put yourself, you play your game, you practice, you give it your all, you stay locked in, you stay focused anytime you step up to work and in your off times at at sometimes, because you got to practice not when you're at work, but when you're away from work. If you do all those things, you'll have less of a reason to care. And in my case, if this photographer over here got an opportunity that I thought I was perfect for, because we should all be out here doing the best we can to get the opportunities that come our way and to earn some opportunities that weren't even looking at us. That's what we're all doing. I don't know the story behind photographer A, B, and C over there. I don't know if they have a relationship with the agency or the client. I don't know if they had just recently did an editorial that somebody saw and they didn't get a chance to see what I've been working on. I don't know any of those things. I don't know if the photographer is even good at what they do where they hire people around them to make them look better at what they do. I can't solve for things that I don't know. The world is full of variables. But what I can do is play my game, stay locked in, and do the best that I can every time I get an opportunity and practice when I'm not actively working on another opportunity. That's all. Control the things that you can control and trust yourself. But that is what I've taken away in the, I guess, 15 years, maybe almost 20 years. Man, I'm getting old. Uh, my birthday's coming up. But that's what I've taken away from those lessons that my dad gave me when I was playing basketball as a kid. Just as a TLDR, those lessons are one, don't play down to the competition. You got to play your game at all times. Exert all that energy, all that hustle, all that hard work. Leave it on the court. Go hard. Don't try to show off or play down to the fact that other people have weaknesses and you can exploit them. In other words, don't be chill just because your client's chill. Don't slack off just because it looks like you have room to slack off. Continue to play your game. Two, practice. It's so important. It sucks. It's not that interesting all the time. Even if you're passionate for something, I'm passionate about photography. I don't enjoy practicing it. I don't. And I don't, like, I love reading and knowledge and learning. But sometimes I want to go out into other subjects. It sucks to be learning and honing your craft over and over again. (laughs) on something that you've done for over a decade, right? So practice isn't always fun, but it's required. And number three, let the scoreboard do the talking. Don't engage in trash talking or negative thoughts about people that are getting better opportunities than you, about people that you might work for, but aren't, how do you say, amazing, (laughs) that, that make you feel as though 
they think they're better than you or more qualified than you or maybe talk down to you. Don't worry about those people. All you can do is control your own behaviors, your own habits, your own hard work and hustle. That's it. If you can keep these three things in focus, I think that no matter what life throws at you, whether you deserve it or not, you're going to be consistently presented with opportunities. They won't all be amazing, but people will want to work with you. Life doesn't go well for everybody. There's no magic bullet. I can't end this podcast by saying, if you do all these three things, you're going to have an amazing career, make lots of money, and all that other stuff. What I can say is if you stick to these three things, among other things that I'll talk about on the podcast, that you will be better suited, better competition to other people competing for the same opportunities, and you're just going to increase the likeliness that you're going to be better positioned to thrive in this hard, challenging life that we all have to live, all of us. So good luck, and I will see you next week. Before I go, I know it probably gets annoying to hear, but I got to say it because I don't know, I watch a bunch of other YouTubers and podcasters do the same exact thing. So I'm going to just imitate things that seem to work. If you're getting value from the show, please make sure to subscribe. If you have an extra minute or two, go on iTunes, go whatever platform that you're listening, write a review, leave a rating, all that good stuff. If there's somebody in your life, a colleague, a friend, a family member that you feel could get value from the show as well, please just share it with one person not a hard ask. You just hit the little dots at the top right corner or the little up arrow thing and share this episode or the podcast in general with a friend or family member, whatever, through text or share it on social media, do whatever feels right, feels uh, good. And lastly, it's hard to fit all this stuff in a busy day. It's hard uh, to do all the things that we all do. But because I'm doing this for free, hoping that it'll benefit you and reap you much, much money and success, If you have a moment and $5 or even $20 or whatever you feel comfortable leaving, please contribute and uh, to the show. I, you know, I pay to to make this podcast with my time, my effort, and actually I spend money on the equipment and the hosting and all this other stuff. So anyway, my point is, uh, if you're feeling generous, you know, donate a couple bucks uh, to the podcast monthly. That always helps. And lastly, last housekeeping thing. I'm coaching and I don't really talk about it a lot, but I'm offering coaching. So if you are a photographer and want to learn more about the business or have questions you need answered about technique or the business itself, I'm happy to coach. Uh, If you just have questions about finance or career in general, I'm happy to help you navigate uh, this challenging career. Um, I mean, any challenging career, whatever, but I'm, I'm happy to help you Uh, work through your issues, your problems, and see through to the other side and collaborate. So if you want to learn about coaching, head over to freelancekills.com slash coaching and uh, check it out. Anyway, have a great rest of your week and I look forward to checking in with you next week. See you.